0: Welcome to Mad About AV, your industry-leading source for insights about all things AV and interactive systems. At Mad Systems, we take pride in delivering cutting-edge exhibits and interactives that evolve alongside your industry and leave a lasting impact. And this podcast will let us bring you along for the ride. It's time to show you why we're Mad About AV. Personalization is the name of the game these days. Mad Systems has a new patent on technology that allows for personalized media delivery. Joining me today to discuss this is Maris Ensing, founder of Mad Systems. So Maris, let's start off here. What is this patent about?
1: The new patent covers systems and methods for generating targeted media content. Um, In fact, what it covers is any and all applications where anybody wants to use recognition technology to recognize individuals, groups of individuals, cars, colors, colored flags, stickers, colored stickers, um, and use that information to deliver media, to personalize media delivery. It's actually a very broad patent. Um, which is why we're really excited about it. So it also covers things like modification of behavior of an interactive. So if somebody is in a wheelchair, they can't reach up and they've indicated that when they log in, then on the interactive, we can drop the buttons down and bring it down to their level. That allows designers to be able to, it, it allows designers to design in the way that they would like to. I don't care where the buttons are provided that for ADA purposes, they bring those buttons down and they're within the zone permitted by um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is clearly very well described. Um, Other things are like, if we have somebody with uh, vision problems, we can go to a high contrast version. And again... When designers design, they have so many limitations normally as to colors that they shouldn't combine, as to font sizes, minimum font sizes. But when you can adapt the system and you can adapt the media to your audience, then if you have somebody who's visually uh, has, has a problem with their vision, then all you need to do is to go to that high contrast version. Because now, not only do you meet all of the requirements of ADA, you're exceeding them, because you can go to black and white if you have to, to really optimize, um, you know, a high contrast black and white version if you had to, to really optimize what, um, what, what you're giving these people. And somebody has a hearing problem, they've indicated it, we see them, and we can turn the volume up a bit, or we can drop subtitles on, and the subtitles could be in Dutch, if it's a Dutch person that would prefer the Dutch or the Spanish language or whatever that is. And then there's a a bunch of more unusual aspects, um, such as recognition and um, recognizing and establishing and recognizing relationships between people. So um, if we have a family coming in of two adults and two kids, then we can say don't stop running this presentation until all these people have been seen in front of the exhibit. So if you can actually delay and make sure that um, you only start running the presentation when the whole family is there and you don't need to do this, but if parents are saying, look, you know, we really want to go through this as a family, then they could set the flag and say that that is um, how they want to do this. So it's, it's a, It's basically personalized media delivery based on recognition technology of various sorts, using um, cameras for pretty well any kind of recognition systems.
0: That's fascinating. So how is this patent different from the previous one?
1: The patent that we got before is different in that the previous patent is for systems and methods for providing location information about registered users. And again, that isn't fully descriptive as to what the patent covers. Um, it's again based on uh, facial recognition or color recognition, but it involves additional elements which directly relate to improved customer service. Um, to give you an idea, if you're going into a theme park with, um, as a family, you can put a flag up that says, if my kids are further, you know, if my kids wander, I want to know about it. So if one of your kids wanders off, um, now with a family, this is normally a little bit more manageable, but imagine that you're, a, um, you're with a school group and you're a chaperone with 10 kids and one of these kids wanders off. We can, we can send you a message on your phone saying, hey, one of your kids has wandered off and this is where we've just seen him. Um, So, there are things like that that you can do with it, but there's also more complex scenarios. Imagine that um, mom and the daughter want to go and do one thing and dad and the son want to go and do another thing, and they want to meet up somewhere afterwards. Um, You could handle that by um, having uh, dad and the son come off their ride they walk up to a kiosk, they say, Hey, we'd like to find mom and the daughter. So, after that, you can use media, so digital signage, um, to do a progressive guide and get the family to rejoin each other. Um, you can use messaging, you can use any kind of um, method, and they're basically um, covered with these patterns so if you 're using a digital signage system or even a phone to give people directions based on facial recognition based on a location of your audience and you 're using it to guide people back, then you use it for it, it 's covered by that particular patent and it's it 's for things like um, if you go into a theme park and you come down a ride right and the 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 machine takes a picture of you um I don't know about you, but when I get to the point where I get to see these pictures, it normally takes me 20 minutes to find myself in in this plethora of pictures. Of course, with this system, we can immediately show the right picture. But with both patents, when you combine the technology between the two, the underlying technology, at that point, do you want to buy that picture? And the answer is, yeah, you'd love to. But if you're like me, you don't want to be dragging it around with you in a soggy plastic bag for the rest of the day. right? So what you do is you leave it there. You pay for it, but you leave it. And now you go off and you buy, um, in my case, you buy a dress for the granddaughter and you leave it. And the other, one of the other kids wins a, a bear and you leave it. And so when you leave the park at night, The system will say to you, Hey Maris, um, you got all this stuff in locker 55, pick it up in your way out. So not only have you improved the day for everybody because you don't need to carry all this stuff around with you, but you've also made it easier for the owner to get more sales because the decision is no longer based on the fact that I don't want to drag all that stuff with me all day long. It's based on, I really want to buy this, and I'll pick it up when I'm on my way out. And that obviously applies to retail. It applies to um, all kinds of different opportunities. Um, Think about cruise ships, think about shopping malls, where you have a way of delivering personalized media. It could even be like you're on a cruise ship, you're always going to this bar and you're always having this drink and you get to another bar And there's a picture that turns up media is being delivered to the bartender that says this guy is called Maris and he likes his um martinis um dirty with extra olives hey Maris how are you would you like your usual dirty martini with extra olives right so it even covers those kind of aspects so you can start thinking about customer service at airlines um, where you're, you're helping people, um, you know, provide better customer service. There's a whole range of applications that, that you would be able to, um, to come up with at that point. And that is what these patents are about. It's a lot wider than just our AV systems.
0: Can you give us an example of how you would use recognition tech in themed entertainment?
1: Customer service, and when you arrive at the theme park and you have a, a year pass, um, why be in line with everybody else? Just get directly diverted into the, um, into the VIP line so that you will go directly to front-of-line parking um, and directly get access. So those are the kind of benefits within the themed entertainment environment that, that you would get by, by using this kind of technology.
0: So talk to us about where license plate technology comes into all of this
1: The license plate recognition um, it kind of came up as a um, as an additional as an additional feature that we that we looked at later so it, it if you if you want to think about that it actually it's a little wider than than that so when we started looking at recognition ideas, it was clear that some people this all it kind of goes a little bit around the circle, but basically when we started looking at facial recognition, we realized that some people wouldn't want to use facial recognition because they're worried about privacy because they're worried about, they don't want to use it. They, you know, whatever that is. So we started getting more and more recognition ideas and um, initially we actually had developed an infrared tag that would hang around your your neck with a lanyard and it would recognize individuals um, and it's, it's what we call a semi-facing system. So RFID and barcode, you know that they've scanned something but you have no idea where they're looking, what they're facing, where they are. They've scanned it and... They might be, you know, a hundred yards down the road. You really don't know um, 10 seconds later. With the idea that we had with the infrared badge was that we had a semi-facing system, meaning to say, if the thing hangs around your neck, you might be looking there, but you're more likely to be looking where your badge is facing because it's a more comfortable position, right? And so... We started looking at the um, at the badge um, and we had it working and then we started looking at power supplies and at handling the badge. And these things are too cumbersome. Um, you have to charge them, you have to clean them, you have to collect them. You can't afford to lose them because it's not like a five cent RFID badge. There's things you have to do with that. So we wanted an alternative to facial recognition, um, because facial recognition might not always work. The badge wasn't what we wanted to do. So we looked at color recognition and color and pattern recognition. And at that point, we were really looking for things that work as a, as a minimal staff interference kind of thing. So we also included uh, color, maybe rent for somebody who prefers Spanish. Uh, you put a badge on them, you put the thing on a lanyard costing nothing. So when we started looking at these different kind of technologies, we then bumped into license plate recognition and we suddenly realized how useful that is as a technology, especially for the digital signage market and for marketing and advertising, right? Because, and, and, and for customer service purposes. If you think about it, If we know who is in a car and we have a billboard somewhere, then we can run targeted advertising for the person who is in that car. And um, we can help advertisers be more efficient about what they do. And again, it goes beyond standard, the the standard AV that, that we normally get involved with. But it was very clear that this was an additional technology based, uh, sorry, recognition based technology that we really wanted to do. So we started looking um, at the idea that not only would it be a lot nicer for the people involved, because I don't know about you, but if there's one thing that I don't need is random advertising, random adverts. um, They're just even more annoying than targeted adverts. Um, and so we got to the point where we said, OK, from an advertiser's point of view, you don't mind paying for an ad to be delivered, but you really only want to deliver it to somebody who's going to take the ad in. If somebody isn't looking, somebody isn't responding, why bother? And that applies to billboards. And then we took it back a step and said, OK, what about gas stations? I go and get gas. Um, And one day when I was getting gas, these adverts are running on the screen and it was just intrusive, irritating. And so I thought to myself, why would I I keep running that ad when I'm clearly not even looking at it? And the technology that we have will tell me when I'm looking at it. It will tell me when I smile. So why don't we change this and say... If after three seconds, five seconds, whatever, you're not even looking at the ad or you're looking away, then clearly you're not taking it in. You might as well tell the advertiser, hey, you don't need to pay for that. It's up to three seconds. The guy hasn't looked or five seconds, whatever. Um, The guy hasn't looked. Let's run another ad. Now, in the end, I run an ad that the guy that's getting gas clearly is more interested in. Um, It might be um, a perfume. If a lady is getting gas, it might be beer. If a guy is getting gas, I don't know. But now I know what they're interested in. Or if they're not looking at anything at all, maybe the passenger of the car walked into the store, and I see them doing a transaction. They're buying a a bar of chocolate or a soft drink. Why don't I use that knowledge? So now I recognize the car. I see people coming out, I know who the driver is, and I associate the driver with the car, I know who the passenger is, I associate the passenger with the car. At this point, when they're getting back into the car, if the person pumping gas responded to a particular ad, and here they are, they're driving from LA to Vegas, and there's a billboard on the way, I might as well run that ad or a competitive ad um, to the one that they responded to. And if they didn't respond to anything, the passenger went to get a chocolate bar, maybe we'll put a competitive product on the, on, the, on, on the billboard. So it takes this whole concept of targeted marketing and personalized media delivery a whole load further. And we can allow people to opt in or opt out or you know whatever that is. Um, the, biggest op- the, 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 the biggest thing, obviously, is about privacy and maintaining privacy. So you don't want to keep information on these people as a as a named person, unless they've opted in, to my mind. So we have ways that we can guarantee privacy on these kind of systems and make sure that the information is not available um, other than for advertising purposes. And it's fully anonymized. So we wouldn't, you know, be able to do anything else without that information. But these are the kind of things that we ended up with in terms of recognition technology and specifically how we landed on something like license plate recognition. Another example would be you bought a ticket for a concert somewhere um, and you bought the um, the VIP parking and the VIP treatment, whatever, um the system asks you hey is it okay um if i take a picture of you sure it's okay why not um and or or you know give give me your license plate of 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 your car so now when you arrive rather than standing in a great big long line and somebody have to try to try and figure out if you're in vip party parking or everybody else parking the system will immediately recognize and say, hey, this person goes into VIP parking. You get out to your car, hey, here's your VIP line because we recognize you. So there's benefits for for customers in order to be able to use this kind of technology in those kind of applications.
0: Those are really interesting examples. Uh, So Maris, it's clear that all this technology is very disruptive. Where do you see the future of AV systems, and where are you placing your technology within the market?
1: we have been looking at the the conventional marketing triangle, right? So here you have top-end systems and top-end stuff going on. And at the bottom, you have a a much bigger base where you have lower-cost systems and lower-case options. Um, And a number of companies in the past have made the mistake to only want to operate in the very top end of this. And most of them have gone by the wayside. So we, we, do not, we do not want to be there. We do not want to be in the business of saying, hey, it's facial re- it's recognition systems or nothing. So there's two reasons for that. Point one, is a company, I don't think it's a healthy approach. But the other thing is also that um, when we developed Quicksilver, we had a very different um, frame of mind to the whole thing. When you look at the marketing triangle, what we wanted to do with Quicksilver is to drop that bottom and to make it even wider because there's a whole bunch of opportunities out there for people who at the moment um, cannot afford to do anything with AV. But what we saw over the years is as commodity price, well as monitors and projectors and, you know, touchscreens are dropping in price and effectively becoming commoditized, it became very clear that point one, we had to do something different in order to be um, viable as a company because Selling um, cheap monitors and projectors without much of a profit margin is clearly not going to work for anybody in this business in the long term. Um, But also by creating a new chunk of market and and broadening that base, um, we knew that we would be able to grow the company and provide really nice systems for a very affordable, you know, for lower budgets if we had to. So that is where Quicksilver lands, and that is what we did with Quicksilver. Now, Quicksilver, um, you, you have probably seen, well, you probably have seen the announcement that we're working on the Crayola project at the moment, for example. Now, Quicksilver has RFID options. It's called barcode options. We've actually developed um, a wireless RFID reader. So you just put them everywhere. You pick up RFID. The RFID codes go to the show controller that keeps track of what, you know, what is happening with individual people, um, keeps track of information related to the, to those people in a very simple kind of way, but it can also control things based on RFID codes. So we can keep the information and figure out what exhibits they've done and what exhibits they haven't but we could open a door for them. We could open a door for them only if they've done these exhibits. We've got all of these kind of options that we can do with it. So why would we not include things like RFID in our thoughts? And that is why we developed it as part of the, um, of the, of the Quicksilver thing where we want to be at the bottom of the triangle and expand the base because we felt that that is one approach that we looked at initially when we, start to develop Quicksilver in order to increase our market share. Now, the other thing is that the um, recognition systems and the more complex systems that are to do with, um, you know, guidance of people around a large venue, retail, theme park, whatever that is, are doing the opposite. They're working on this top end and pushing this top out and making that wider and giving other options in there. And in the middle is this whole area where we can do more for a similar budget to what people are used to seeing. So really what we're doing is we've taken the market, the marketing triangle or the market triangle, and we've shredded it. Um, We're working on the middle end, we've expanded the bottom end, and we're expanding the top end. And this is the whole point of the technology that we've developed over the past few years, is to create what we're now referring to as AV++, which is another iteration in order to create a market to make sure that as we're going into the next 10 years, we have something that is unique. It's something that other people don't have for one reason or another. Um, and it's something that allows us to provide more interesting systems um, and do a lot more with it. I'll give you one example. Um, We have a new generation of kids coming up that swiped before they wiped. And that's a really important thing to remember. By the time they were two, they're using your iPhone. And they were doing just fine with it. Thank you. And by the time they're five, they're telling mom and dad how to set it up. Right? These kids at home have access to personalized media. If they want to see an explanation of something, they can get the cartoon version. As they're growing up and they're five or six, they can get a five or six year old version. As they're 10, they'll get a the 10 year old version. All that information is there. And we feel that the key to, um, to getting people to come to your venue, whatever that is, is you have to give them something they can't have at home. So it needs to be a little bit of magic, um, a, a secret sauce, a, a special element. And in order to do that, we can no longer do what we did in the past. Oh, well, we've created some content and it'll be fine for everybody. Who cares? Because, yes, for some of the larger theme park shows, that is perfectly fine because everybody loves it. But when you're going to um, museums, visitor centers, even retail, you really want to tailor the, um, the media to your audience because that's what these kids are growing up with. So there's a whole new way of looking at what we need to do in order to capture our audience's attention. And that is what Quicksilver and these extra technologies are all about. It's about creating better experiences and providing a range of solutions that are not mutually exclusive. You know, if you have somebody that you're developing a system for and it's based on um, on nothing for the time being, you're just delivering media, that's fine. If we now want to add RFID because they're doing well in a given year and they're planning to do something a little bit more and they're going to do, I don't know, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, like one of our clients is talking about it, uh, at, at the moment here in LA, we can add that. Um, if a few years from now they want to add RFID, we'll add RFID. The system is designed to be modular. To some extent, to be long-term viable. The non-proprietary um, aspect of the hardware that you mentioned guarantees that. Um, and by using the um, the common show controller that we've developed over the last dozen or so years, it gives us opportunities that you just don't have when you're trying to you know, buy something from here and buy something from there and this will go up obsolete in two years time and that will no longer be available. By, by streamlining that process and having designed a system as a system from scratch, we haven't got those limitations. So we can offer people upgrades and, and ways of doing things that will adapt with time.
0: This is the last question for you. And I think this is a really important one for a lot of people. Tell me about privacy and facial recognition. I think there are a lot of people who are worried about that sort of thing.
1: Basically, for us, it was a case of um, it, it is a very important aspect. And that's why I singled that, um, that particular question out, because people really do worry about, um, about that. And I noticed from the way you asked the question, um, that you clearly see that as something that, um, you know, will have an impact on the way the technology is perceived. And I think it is important to address it um, upfront. I don't think it's something that you want to gloss over. Um, we certainly don't. When we started looking at recognition technologies, um, one of the ways that was easy to implement it actually was to work with uh, an an Amazon or a a Google or a Microsoft or, you know, there's a bunch of companies out there that you pay not even a lot of money to and you send them videos or you send them a stream or you send them images, image stream, and they will interpret that image stream and they will give you identifiers back for the people that you're looking at. So you register someone and then it goes into your database And then uh, when you see them somewhere else, it'll tell you, oh, that's number one, that's number two, that's number three. And that is one way of doing it. And uh, obviously we looked at it because it's one of the easy ways to get this thing going. Um, But I really didn't like it because I don't know where else that picture is going. I don't know what other databases these people are running. For all I know, um, one of the three-letter agencies will have feedback long before I get it. Um, and I just don't need for that to happen. Um, certainly not in museum situations or where you have kids involved. You know, I think that's, uh, that's just not right. Um, so what we did is we took a completely different approach, also partly because sending it out over the Internet and getting it back works really well when you have a gigabit link. Um, certainly when you have an uplink that is uh, in the gigabit re- region. Um, but most people don't have that and don't want to pay for it or couldn't afford it. So we really wanted to get away from all of that and the delays that it causes, because the 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 time from you streaming something to you getting an identifier back can be up to 15, 16, 17 seconds. Um, and obviously, after 10 seconds, I'm standing at the display and nothing has happened. After 10 seconds, I'm at the next gallery, you know, and whatever I'm putting on that screen, I'm long since gone. The sad thing is also that I won't know that I'm gone until 10 seconds later, because it'll take me 10 seconds to figure out that the next stream no longer has me in it. So we really concentrated on privacy and on speed of response. And so with our system, um, we don't need an internet link, as we've made very clear in a lot of conversations. Um, You can put it in a lock room. Our backend uh, runs or can run SQL. When you scrub an SQL database, there is nothing that is left behind. So it isn't a case of you just take some of the fat table entries away. It's a case of you go through every bit of storage in there and you put random information into it. You overwrite it with random information so that everything is gone. So um, that is part of it. And then the other thing is that, as you've noticed, uh, we take a phase and we convert it into a vector diagram and then we encrypt the vectors so that the only thing we need to keep is that vector diagram, uh, which is encrypted in order to do anything with it. And then the engine that actually does the comparison works in that encrypted domain so that you can't even get an unencrypted version of that data out once it's been converted. And so um, we like to keep people's pictures because it's nice to show that hey yes I'm recognizing you and here you are kind of thing. So in the lab we actually do use that in one or two of our example exhibits Um, but we don't need to. And the other thing is that the encryption is good enough that um, if you go from one of our systems to another one of our system and it doesn't use the same encryption key, it won't work. It, it's, it'll, it won't be able to open that uh, vector diagram at all. Um, and then the third thing is that even if you did manage to decrypt it, you cannot take a vector file and recreate a face from it. It's not possible to do that. It's a one way, uh, it's a one way deal. You can't go backwards. So having done that, we cracked that problem, and that is taken care of. And then the second thing was speed of response. And by keeping the system local and by using a granular approach to the way we build facial recognition systems, our recognition time, well, I should say the time between um, you being in front of a camera and your media being delivered um, is always sub-second and it tends to be between 300 and 500 milliseconds. And we sometimes see 700 milliseconds, but it's not that common. So the speed of response is faster than you'll notice. You walk up to a screen and by the time you've taken in what is on that screen, we already know you're there and your media is already playing. And that's a really important aspect of the technology. Um, in order to make it work. It needs to be that fast, it needs to be that smooth in order to be able to make that work. The other question that I noticed, which is important right now is, uh, does it work with masks? And the answer is that um, we were in the middle of uh, working on that when we got really busy on a couple of other projects. So we had the shelf finishing it Um, But yes, it will work with masks and we are finishing that development work um, and within the next few months we will announce formally that um, we have that taken care of. So yes, it can work with masks.
0: Maris Insing, founder of Mad Systems. Maris, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us a little bit more about your latest patent.